In a sports game, when you're trash-talking the opposition, not that I would ever dream of trash-talking. Actually, I've tried, I'm just not very good at it. But when you're trash-talking, what's the worst insult that you can give to the other player? Something about their mother. A player will take insult after insult about themselves, but then the moment that you say something about their mother, that's it. Patience done. Why? Because it's attacking what's most cherished, what's held dearest in that person's life, what's most sacred to them. For those of you here who know French, what are the French swear words? They all have to do with sacred things. The words used as swear words in French are host, tabernacle, baptism, or sacred blue of Mary. Because it's all attacking what is most sacred to that culture, what is most cherished. Even the word in French for swearing comes from the word sacred, or sacre which is closer in English when we use not swear words, but curse words. It's attacking what's most sacred because we all have things in our life that are sacred, that are more special than anything else. And what we celebrate today as Catholics is the most sacred gift that we have in the church, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. And so in today's homily, I'm going to presume you are all here because you believe in the real presence of Christ, that at every Mass, the bread and the wine become the true presence of Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. What I'm going to challenge us with this morning is how do we maintain and help grow the sacredness of what we do here every Sunday when the temptation of habit and ritual want to creep in when we come every week and we seemingly do the same thing over and over again. Because we let what is profane, what is not sacred, creep in to what is sacred. I don't know about you, but growing up, if I called my mom Marie, I would get a smack because she's mom. She's not Marie to me and she will always be mom no matter how old I get because the relationship between a mother and a son is something sacred. You don't take that away. You respect it, you honor it, you revere that relationship. Or even for myself, priests that I knew before I became a priest, it's still hard for me to call them just by their first name. Now that we are brother priests together, I still want to call them father so-and-so, because that was the way that I acknowledged what they had, this priesthood that I revered. I think it's the reason why any one of us, any human being, and I don't really trust anyone who doesn't have this experience, when you go to the mountains or to the ocean or sit by a fire, it's automatically a sacred moment. We stand in awe of the grandeur of the mountains, of the vastness of the ocean, of kind of the uncontrollability of the fire. It's a sacred moment and it keeps us suspended in awe, at least for a moment, because we inherently know that this is something completely other, completely different than what we're accustomed to and normal. Is the Eucharist 
that for us? Is that what it is for us every Sunday when we come to Mass? As a few years back, Pope Benedict, on the Feast of Corpus Christi, this is what he said in his homily. True love and true friendship are always nourished by the reciprocity of looks, of intense, eloquent silences, full of respect and veneration, so that the encounter may be lived profoundly and personally, rather than superficially. And, unfortunately, if this dimension is lacking, sacramental communion itself may become a superficial gesture on our part. We need this profound silence and reverence in order to grow in us the possibility of encountering what is promised to us by Jesus at every Mass, that he is here with us. But if we want to receive that, if we want to be ready for that, we need to approach it properly. Otherwise, it has the temptation, as Pope Benedict said, of becoming a superficial gesture. I come, I receive the host, and I go home, and I've done my Sunday obligation. We have the need to keep things sacred in our life. And we have the temptation in our culture right now to really remove anything sacred, to take that away. St. John Vianney, a humble priest from France in the 16th century, would be in his church and he would just be in silent prayer in front of the tabernacle. And one day as one of his parishioners came up to him and said, Father, what do you say? What do you do when you're in prayer for all that time? And he just said, I look at him, he looks at me. So the challenge that I put before all of us, myself included today, is are we doing what we need to do in our practice of faith to ensure that this remains and increases as a sacred thing and that we don't let what is profane, what is not sacred, creep in? So, for example, we have a challenge here in our parish with our place of worship because our place of worship melds into our place of welcome. And it's hard to distinguish one area from the other. But what's the one thing that we do as Catholics every time we walk into a church, before we ever sit down in our pew? We genuflect. An action that we don't do anywhere else in our life, we genuflect to the tabernacle, reminding ourselves of who is here. And to do that every time we walk in or out of our place of worship, this sacred space. And it's easy enough to just walk in and forget. But if we don't remind ourselves, then this just becomes another gathering place instead of the place where we celebrate the Mass. Another one, the way that we dress. Do you think I dress like this because I just like to play dress up? No. It's because nobody in their right mind would wear this anywhere else. They are sacred vestments set apart for only the Mass. And so when we come to Mass, do we dress accordingly? We naturally dress up for things that are important. I was at a wedding yesterday, people were all dressed up. I was at St. Andre Bissette's grad on Friday, people were all dressed up. 
But even in those cases, that's getting lost, where you start to see people come to weddings in jeans. When people ask me, Father, how should I dress for Mass, I usually tell them, well, when you go home from Mass on Sunday, to have your leisure time on Sunday, if you didn't have to change out of your clothes to be comfortable for a Sunday afternoon, you probably didn't dress up enough for Mass. The way that we dress is important to make something sacred, to make it other, to be something that we venerate and respect. Even the words that we use at Mass are there to subtly kind of influence the way that we approach things. We don't sing songs at Mass, we sing hymns. We don't come to a table, we come to the altar. We don't put wine in a cup, we put it in a chalice. All of these things remind us that what we do here, we do nowhere else. And how about the time? We carve out the time to come to Mass every Sunday, the hour, or however long Father decides to preach and keep you here as long as he wants. But can we really just walk in from our life for when Mass starts and walk out the moment that it's done and feel like this hour was a sacred time? When something is special and set apart, do we not need time to prepare, to enter into it? Do we not need time in thanksgiving at the end to remind ourselves of what we have just received? Now, if we do none of these things, does that mean that we're not welcome in the church and that we should just stay out? No. Those things are not necessary for Mass. The Mass happens. When I go backpacking in August this summer, I am not hiking this chasuble up the mountain. I'll bring my alb and a stole and I'll celebrate Mass in the morning either in my hiking boots or in my flip-flops and it will still be just as sacred of a moment as what we will do here today. They're not essential for what takes place, but they're essential for us. Because it's far too easy for us to like creep into our minds and our hearts this kind of habit. And it loses its sacredness in our life. We need it. Why? Because there is an inherent difference in the Mass we celebrate as Catholics compared to what most of our Christian brothers and sisters do on a Sunday. And it starts with what St. Paul tells us today. He says, I hand on to you what I have first received from God. That every time we gather here, the promise of the Lord Jesus is that we celebrate his death. The difference is that the Mass is not primarily our expression of prayer to God. We do our personal prayer outside of Mass. The Mass is not our time for prayer. The Mass is primarily what is being given to us by God. And we are here to form ourselves by it, to conform ourselves to what is being offered. When I celebrate the Mass, I try to avoid doing anything that is particularly Christopher Schmidt. I'm trying to offer you what is the Church's prayer, the prayer of Christ, which is why we use the exact words that he used at the Last Supper every time. It's the reason why it's, when it's time for communion, we receive communion. We don't place the ciborium in the middle and we all come and take from it for us. Because that's the temptation that exists from the beginning. God gave Adam and Eve everything that they needed, and yet they fell into the temptation of needing to take for themselves. We come to the Mass to receive.
There's only one person at the Mass who takes the body and blood of Christ, and that's the priest. And I'll never forget the most moving moment of my day of ordination was the first time that I took the Eucharist off the patent. My hand was trembling. But now that I celebrate Mass every day, it's super easy for it to just be habit. And I forget the privilege that I'm given to be the one who takes the Eucharist so that I can give it to you. Is the Mass, is the Eucharist something sacred? And do we do what we need to do for ourselves to make sure that that sacredness doesn't disappear? So we're going to do one thing at Mass today, together, to try to enter into that. In the same way that Pope Benedict challenges us to have these eloquent silences, we're going to have two parts in Mass where we're going to extend our silence. So when I elevate the host and I elevate the chalice, we're going to just spend a little bit longer in silence and in adoration of what is being offered to us here. And then after communion, after our com final communion hymn, we'll spend just a little bit longer in silence, in thanksgiving, in remembering what we receive. Because we can pray anywhere. We don't need to come here to pray. But we cannot receive what is being offered. We cannot receive the Eucharist anywhere else but here.